are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com with the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Do you love sci-fi, horror, and fantasy films? Then grab a badge for Otherworlds Film Festival, the country's premier sci-fi film festival. There will be Q&As, panels, parties, and mixers. Rub elbows with up-and-coming and established filmmakers, as well as like-minded filmgoers. Come celebrate our seventh year, December 3rd through 6th, at the Galaxy Highland in Austin, Texas. Badges are now for sale at otherworldsfilmfest.com. That's otherworldsfilmfest.com. It's time for more spooky. I don't care if Halloween is over. Fuck you and your only in October nonsense. There's horror all year round. There's ghosts around us, especially these days if you're in an Asian country, because Jesus Christ, they took the ghost thing and they ran with it, didn't they? Holy cow. It seems like we're just constantly watching more Asian ghost films and the Spanish too. Ooh, the Spanish, they love their ghost stories. We just reviewed one on here not that long ago. But this one is from Korea, which has actually made a few classics in the genre, I would argue. So I went into this one, despite it being by a fresh, brand new debut writer and director, somebody who's n- never done a film before, Yoon In Kyung, this film lingering, ghosts, big haunted hotel, little kid disappearing, creepy hotel owner. I mean, all these elements that were like, okay, this looks like this is going to be possibly a really good one. But was it? That's what we're here to tell you. I'm joined by my pals, Matt. Hello. And Alex. Hi there. This debuted on Shudder, which has a largely reliable history of horror films. I find that even when I don't like something on Shudder, I'm never like, well, this was just absolutely atrocious. What were they thinking? This was no better than something that should have shown up in a red box. I'm never saying that. That's not like the horror you fall into on like Amazon's list sometimes like what the fuck is this or netflix is like back when they used to have star ratings you know half star for yet another found footage film of teenagers in the woods no shutter usually gives you things that there's going to be people who decidedly are really going to like it it's just horrors like comedy it's not always for everyone and i'm really curious to know where you guys stand on this one so the story is we follow this woman named you me she's out of work Her mother died years beforehand, and she's contacted by child services to say that her younger sister, much younger sister, she's just like a toddler, basically, needs her because she's a troubled kid. And they're like, we just can't take care of her anymore, which I'm like, how does child services work in this town? But 
she's like, look, you're taking the kid. Okay, deal with it. And she's like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? I don't want this. Kid. I don't even know this sister. I don't, I don't want anything to do with her. But she's like, you know what? My mom used to work at this hotel. There was this woman who ran it. They called auntie, which is more of an affectionate term for someone who's not actually family, but has been around long enough. They might as well be. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to bring the kid there. The auntie's like, I will definitely be the parental figure for this child, but you should stay here for a little while. Get used to the place. I mean, there's an amusement park right next door, a really cheap, dangerous looking amusement park. And it should be fine. But right off the bat, things are strange. She's seeing maybe a ghostly lady in the shadows or in mirrors. Uh, there's a series of women that seem to be missing in the area. There's just something in general creepy going on in the hotel. And it's not long before, oh, God, the little girl has gone missing as well. Like, literally, not long at all. She's gone. So now, Yumi can't leave. She's got to figure out what the fuck is going on in this hotel. Find her sister. What's the deal here? And the deal is incredibly more complicated than I was prepared for. They swung for it. They did. They did not want to give you the standard... Well, there's a ghost and it likes kids, so it took your kids and now you got to call like a psychic investigator who's weird and call them back to get the kid back, which we've seen in many, many, many of these type films. No, there's something else nefarious going on here that you can kind of guess at least who the... I mean, the the law of character conservation says, well, it can only be like maybe two people, <laughs> right? So you figure yeah. that out relatively quick. But when you get into the details of what actually it is, I got to admit, the third act does some really, wow, I, there's no way you could have seen that coming <laughs> weird stuff. Definitely. You have a particular problem with conservation of characters when uh, apparently one person works in your like 20 story hotel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the one maid and she's a bitch. And I don't mean that in any sort of misogynist way. I mean, she's just the worst person. Oh, she was my favorite. <laughs> she's just getting tanked on soju. Other maids, night staff, front desk got it. Um, yeah, they work here, but they're not in the union. Well, they did say that during the slow period, during the off season, they literally have no customers, which is when it is. So they're down to like one employee during. Well, and times. when the cop is there, there are some non-speaking extras milling about in the hotel livery. They never walk back on stage. They're yeah. Just like nobody the, would be like at the end of the movie. Look, it was extra number three the whole time. <laughs> Dude, I can't believe you didn't see that coming. They're like the guys in an off-Broadway in the black turtlenecks that move the furniture. <laughs> exactly. I thought there was just more ghosts. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised. This movie did take enough twists and turns that didn't make a lot of sense. That Oh, yeah. That could have been a thing. But I think that was ultimately my main problem here was that as much as we really get into, yes, this place is definitely haunted. Like shit you, that happens that you're like, you couldn't have faked that. And with a very malicious, murdery ghost. And then when I got to the end, I was like, that ghost needs to get on like Prozac or something. Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You're just randomly attacking people for yeah. no reason. For a while, there is sort of room for disbelief that it could be like a person rattling the bushes. Yeah. But there are eventually just a few events that are broad. Well, I shouldn't say broad daylight because they're indoor, but like something really like in the words of a great American, no living human would stack books like that. 
<laughs> there's some clear supernatural stuff finally it's a very odd plot i actually kind of caught myself like backing it up 30 seconds to see if i missed a piece of exposition there's some sort of incompleteness to the editing here like so there's a subplot where people are uh, young women specifically are disappearing in the countryside and there's a couple moments that really kind of rely on you being able to put together a face you only saw for like a second on a crumpled up poster yeah with a effects dummy of the same actress since the poster and the dummy are both kind of tortured reproductions i was like is that just a dead body or am i supposed to know who that is you know there's a couple moments like that they expect you to put all that stuff together matt right which is a little confusing and then when i got to the end i was like okay that's cool but then i got wait a minute why is this a thing that this person does anyway I, I really never felt like it was properly dealt with, like going into like, why are yeah. you doing this? What is the point of all this? There's no motivation here. I guess there's sort of like an implication that the first incident caused trauma and it got worse. Yeah. But they never get into anything. And that's what, you know, they imply they set up a bunch of processing of trauma. Like I kind of messed up the initial relationship because I thought the little girl was the main character's niece for a little bit. They're half sisters and they have different fathers and they're very separated in time. And also they say the mom died five years beforehand. So maybe I missed something. But had she when she disappeared, had she had the baby that day? Because that kid wasn't much older than five. The little sister would not have really known the mother ever but she also alludes to waiting for her dad yeah which is never really brought into it and then the auntie who is not really their aunt she's right. a f- affectionate she is auntie. A friend of the mothers yeah <laughs> former employer of the mothers yeah read between the lines however you like I feel like the prequel would be in a more interesting story <laughs> oh no doubt yeah that's i mean that's a solid point but the auntie does at one point say i was not going to give her back to that sloppy man which sort of implies that she didn't approve of whatever loud that the mother took up with yeah. yeah and that's about as much as we know about it they offer up tidbits like that in a way they don't add anything more than that but make you think that all of that is going to be relevant in some way and it really isn't at all it's not even a red herring it's just irrelevant There's like maybe one discussion of the motivation for the villain. It's confusing. (laughs) Very. Yeah. Just playing with flowers. I don't want to write this film off either. And yes, all those elements are confusing. And no, this is not the only foreign language horror film I found kind of confusing trying to put everything together. Sometimes there's cultural stuff that you're like, that's lost on me. I don't really understand. I didn't feel like that was the problem here, but maybe yeah. it was a bad edit for the American audience, which is possible too. Either way, I want to say good things about this as well, because I thought this was really sumptuously shot. This location, the hotel, even though you can see like, it really nothing about it is necessarily a creepy hotel, but it shot so well into making it look like a creepy hotel. There's lots of good use of angles. It's one of those places with a big center area that just goes straight up all the way to the ceiling with the floors going around it. They make good use out of that. I thought it was almost like if The Shining was set in Nakatomi Plaza. Right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> The hotel is very modernist on the outside, but then the rooms are kind of, they're self-consciously fancy. They're kind of how like a someone who was not wealthy would set up a bougie room. Yeah. When they had to entertain a wealthy person. They're kind of Rococo. They're both kind of dated and modern at the yeah. same time, which is odd. 
But it is really interesting set design throughout this. And also some of the scares are kind of effective. The first scare in this movie, before they even get to this hotel, I jumped out of my fucking seat. I was like, oh, Jesus, (laughs) I did not see that coming. (laughs) I was literally just thinking, like, it's cool that they're kind of showcasing some parts of Korea that aren't as urban and you don't usually see that. Ah! (laughs) I I actually (laughs) exclaimed out loud and I never, ever do that. I was like, oh, God. I actually did louder than i just did but i didn't want to the mic you know? that scare got me really excited for the rest of the movie and i was never more scared than that moment yeah it was the most effective and creative scare it does something that i'm always curious why more horror directors don't do because i find it so immensely effective one of the biggest problems with horror directors is that they cannot help but telegraph their way into not having an actual scare even if it's if it's the music or how long the camera is lingering or whatever. It just doesn't, it doesn't take you by surprise ever if you're in any way familiar with the language of horror. I'm always surprised there aren't more directors who don't do that thing. Like if right now a spear went through my head, you'd be like really freaked out, right? Because nothing would have indicated that at all, except maybe my wife is mad at me that I spend too much time in my office recording reviews. But that would be scary. But if creepy music started and then the lights went out and I was like, huh, I wonder what that, that's weird. The lights went out. What's going on? I hope that doesn't have anything to do with that killer they say has been wandering around the neighborhood. Then that's just not as scary. What's the greatest and most prototypical slasher scare in horror? It is broad daylight, house in the middle of a well-lit pasture, door opens, guy hits a kid with a hammer. Yeah. 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 It it happens one, two, three, and the door's closed again. Yep. So, (laughs) and no lessons were learned. Yeah, no lessons learned. I do not understand, but really, I mean, that scare, which is like pastoral, you know, it's really effective. But unfortunately, the rest of the movie falls back on much more familiar horror tropes. You know, the creepy ghost of the weird skin and the evil smile and the bloodshot black eyes. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't look terrible or anything, but nothing else that happens is going to be anywhere close to as original, with the exception of some of the stuff at the very, very end as it's wrapping up where I'm like, okay, this doesn't even have anything to do with ghosts. And it's really cool and effective. And I kind of wish more of the movie was just focused on this stuff. Yeah. The non-ghost parts where the people were fighting. Yeah. You know? Very cool. There's a knife hit in this that really made me do the stub toe. Like the the number of times I do that is how I rate a horror movie. <laughs> by the way, the current winner is The Collection. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. There's a yeah. lot of that. I, I was like, hey, man, we got to hand it to Ghost Ship. It may be a terrible movie, but it has one of the greatest openings of all time. And I was like, and then comes The Collection, like, hold my beer, Ghost Ship. What I thought was was kind of interesting about this, it has some of those, those same class overtones as Parasite. The auntie is very, she can fix all their orphan problems. Because at one point, the sister thinks about taking this kid to an orphanage. And the read I had on the social worker is not that that was actually impractical, is that she didn't want the sister to actually do it. She was mad at her for suggesting it. And so she shut him down. It had some weird plot holes too. Like there's at one point a cop heavily suspects the sister. They make it real clear that it's a very small town, like a Mayberry level small town. And so the cop knows that she could not have done all this stuff because this cop absolutely would know if there was a 24 year old unattached woman in the town of 40 people. He kind of needed to suspect her for something that happens to work and they plainly sort of leaned into it just because they wanted this other thing to happen later. It feels like it was longer. It's an hour, about an hour and 40 minutes. I think maybe a few things that made the motivations clearer hit the floor. Yeah. 
I'm with you. I, I can't say that I hated it because it was too good photographically and too good atmospherically to really bag on. But I also can't say like it's exceptional. It's like I'm also with you and that I'm glad we reviewed it right after we watched it. Yeah. I feel like this guy just had way too many ideas. Like he's like, oh, I love yeah. The Shining. Oh, I love The Changeling. Oh, I love Psycho. But then just got carried away. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. He tried to crunch too much together and then forgot to find a way to make it all make sense crunched together. And which makes for a lot of cool imagery and a lot of cool ideas, but a movie that doesn't make a lot of sense. But Alex, why don't you go on into your final thoughts? I thought this movie was beautiful and had some really interesting transitions. Its editing was pretty good visually and its sound was pretty impressive, but narrative wise, it really lost me at times. Late in the movie, it introduces a kid with an eye patch who is apparently important. <laughs> briefly. <laughs> yeah, brief, briefly. It was pretty wacky. I'm going to have to give it maybe six and a half out of ten bunnies that sing the hokey pokey. That alone would be disturbing to me. Matt, what about you? Kind of landed in the same place. I, I think it's really good technically, but the script kind of goes right down a, right down a rut. I shouldn't say it's not going to throw you any surprises. It just doesn't take you to a, a memorable place, you know. It's one of those ones where I don't want to bag on it because I really want to see the director does next. It's good. It's worth a nickel's worth of your time uh, via your Shutter subscription. I don't think it would be a strong candidate for a, you know, $40, $50 family theatrical outing. Uh, <laughs> you know, one thing I almost forgot, the little kid's really good. At first, when they set up the whole, like, the kid has some trauma kind of thing, I thought it was going to be a really annoying kid, like the kid in the Duke, which is kind of the point of the Duke. That's a plot element in it. The kids were refreshingly on, on their cues and on their marks. And is a fun little underage actor. You know, the saying about never work with animals or kids. Well, W.C. Fields, yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff gets ruined by a bad, like, I have an imaginary friend. He's probably real. He's probably going to kill us all. There have been like six of those. And they really <laughs> nailed the kid. They're the weak link a lot, and it's it's because they're six. They're not good at their job yet. When I, when I was six, I didn't do anything. I just sat there. Eight quesadillas, mostly. Um. <laughs> that six-year-old not only could act circles around me, they could probably also beat the shit out of me in Mortal Kombat, let's face it. Every six-year-old I've ever met is like so much better at video games than any of us will ever be. I get on and try to play Apex Legends sometimes, and just the... You don't even get your gun like pointed. You're just like, look, I found a... Yep. I would give it seven out of ten bunny masks that are never a good sign. Look, this director clearly, I mean, first film, both writer as director, went into it with a lot of enthusiasm and energy. There's some great ideas that make it to camera here. There's a bit too much that he's trying to cram in that doesn't really fit together. He tries to rush through stuff for this to have like, a oh, there's a creepy backstory. But he just like doesn't really care that much about the backstory. So he just runs through it super quick to get to where and barely at all. Certainly not explained well enough to get to where he needs the film to go. And the conceit of the ghost and the conceit with a living person causing trouble don't fit together at all in the way that he shot this. And that is a real problem at the end. You're like, wait, what the fuck? I was doing that for an hour after I finished this going, what the hell was that? But that's not to take anything away from all the stuff this guy did really well. And I would be very excited to see what happens next a little more. Hopefully one of those people who listens to some of the other critics out there and some of the criticism this film is getting that I think is largely more reasoned criticisms because this is not a terrible movie. It's just not finished. 
Uh, I'm going to give this six out of 10 telltale blue roses. Because right off the bat, I thought, aha, I should watch Twin Peaks again. Yes. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that was where I went with that. That's all I had for a joke. Sorry. <laughs> 